Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats, a program dedicated to creating a legacy for your pet. Animal companions, your pets, your children, whatever you call them, they are dearly loved family members. As pet parents and animal lovers, we have an obligation to ensure their current and future well-being. Join estate planning attorney and animal advocate Peggy Hoyt, your host, every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on natureschannel.fm. Peggy explores the many alternatives available to help you provide for the future care of your pets. They love us unconditionally. Let's make sure we care and provide for them in every circumstance. Welcome. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on natureschannel.fm. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and it's my pleasure to be with you. We talk um, on a weekly basis about all the different ways that we can create a lasting legacy for our pet, not only during our lifetime, but in the event of our disability, in the event of our death, and we also discuss topics related to the loss of our pets. The first Monday of each month is going to be referred to as our Memorial Monday, and you can send in pictures and bios on your favorite pet that you've loved and lost so that we can recognize your beautiful pet on our Memorial Monday. Today, we're very, very lucky to have with us um, Jody Clock from Clock Funeral Home, and Jody's going to share a be- share with us today about her experiences in the um, the pet funeral industry, so something that um, many of you may not know anything about, but we're hoping you will by the end of today's show. Welcome, Jody. Well, thank you for having me, Peggy. Good morning, everyone. You are very welcome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Jody, just to set the stage for uh, who you are and how you got um, involved in this very interesting industry. Well, we'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, Back in the late 80s, I got in the end-of-life realm on the human side and I spent a lot of time uh, teaching funeral homes how to do the prearranging and pre-funding aspect of what those professionals do. Uh, from there, I ended up uh, having to watch my talk and practicing what I preach by uh, marrying a gentleman who owned uh, three funeral homes. So I went uh, from having to teach it to doing it in reality, and what I found out was that uh, a lot of people, you know, didn't have children, but they had pets, and they were at a loss what to do. And ironically, uh, I'm a crazy pet parent like yourself and also a foster failure, and I was on the board of a no-kill animal shelter. And what I found was that when pets died, the only option out there was for uh, their their vet clinic or their, their doctor, their DVM, to handle that for their families. So I started exploring that, and what I found out there were options that I just wasn't comfortable with. So uh, we had a human funeral home. We had a human crematory. It wasn't a short putt to uh, start up a pet loss memorial center and buy a pet. We call it a retort, but in your terms it would be a cremator, and uh, start a small business. So that's really interesting because um, I think most of us do think, and I know I did for a really long time until I met you and until I got involved with um, 
a little more in the uh, the pet funeral industry, but I always believed that my only I only had two options basically. One, I could bury my pet maybe on my property, um, and that would be more of a uh, get forgiveness, not a permission kind of thing. Or I could um, have my pet euthanized at my veterinary office, and or take um, my deceased pet to my vet and then have them do whatever they did to uh, to dispose of or um, do the final disposition of my pet. So, you know, I know this is a hard topic for um, a lot of people to talk about. I mean, it's even a little hard for me as we're starting to get involved in this conversation because it just reminds you of all the pets that you've loved and lost. But once you got into the pet funeral business, um, what were some of the challenges that you experienced? Well, I could talk about that simply on this whole radio show right there on the challenges. But simply stated, before I even you know, go down that road and have this dialogue, I want to put a disclaimer out there because um, the veterinary professionals out there are wonderful people and they do a tremendous job out there. And, you know, we as pet parents have leaned on them from, you know, some people who are breeders or who, you know, have animals who birth animals and bring them into the home. They lean on those professionals and those doctors. And they are an expert at that. But what they were not, experts in was what to do after a pet died. You know, they mm-hmm. do a kind thing with euthanasia. And that's a tough, tough topic in itself, but that's a wonderful gift that a pet parent can do when a pet is suffering. But all the, all the, the vet clinics knew was they just wanted to make that go away and make it easier for the pet parent. So that right there was the challenge because people don't know what they don't know and, okay, so I'm an expert on the human side. They're an expert on, expert on keeping pets alive. And neither sets of professionals were talking to each other, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So the challenge was, um, as I started looking into this, there are no rules and regulations on pet death. On the human side of things, we have laws every which way from Friday on every aspect of an end of life all the way up and through death and then after death and what you do with the, a person's remains. Outside of a living pet, there are no rules. So when that pet dies, it's been fair game for years because pets are considered property, you know, just like a couch. Yeah, so we, we it, and we've talked about that property aspect on the show, and so that holds over right into the loss of your pet when it passes away. I I wasn't aware of that. Yep, and a lot of people aren't. And because pets are so precious to us, we just assume that they're going to be treated like humans, and that's that's the emotional side. Well, if you just take the emotions out of it as you research it, and it really is, some of it is belief-specific, some of it is demographic-specific, a lot of those pets for many, many years were just going to landfills. And so while people paid their trusted advisor or that individual, they did not know that their pet was going to a landfill. No, nobody knew to ask that dreaded question. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, was so it, it was kind of like an out-of-sight, out-of-mind type of correct. thing. Correct. Okay. Don't ask, don't tell, out-of-sight, out-of-mind. The second right. challenge 
is that um, people don't understand cremation itself. And that's, cremation is a big, broad topic, and there are many forms of cremation. You know, there's a, a private cremation where, you know, private is one means one means one. That's it. And then there are ways to disguise the word communal. Communal means more than one pet in a cremating machine. So they might disguise it as private partitioned, which means there would be one pet and then a brick and then one pet and then a brick. Well, the end result is still the same, and all of the cremated remains are commingled. And there's no way to guarantee that that's your pet that you're receiving back. But the general right. public doesn't know. And, you know, intellectually, it makes sense. If you don't understand it, you look at it, and it sounds reasonable. So nobody's doing a bad thing intentionally, but it's just its two things that I found very um, abnormal. And so go let me, me just make yeah, let me make sure I understand. So I could think I'm getting a private cremation, but I'm really getting a communal cremation. Correct. Okay. Correct. And then, and then so there, there, I would have no um, assurance that the ashes or the cremains that I was getting back are those that belong to my pet. And that is correct. And I would say that happens more times than not. That happens in eighty percent across the United States. Let me just ask a weird question. Um, it's not really pet-related, but does that ever happen on the human side? Oh, heck no. And Pete, oh, heck no. Every law, no, 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 no. <laughs> there, okay. there are so many laws and such a chain of custody and so many triggers that have to go in place that no. But that leads me right into where I was going to go is, all right, you asked me the challenges. My biggest challenge was a conflict of interest, and that, that's on a personal ethical side. So okay. walk with me down this. All right. So let's just say my husband dies, and or my husband has a heart attack. I take him to the emergency room, and he dies. He rests on the table. And that doctor comes out from the ER, and he says, Mrs. Clark, I am so sorry. We did everything we could to save Dale. However, he arrested, and we just couldn't bring him back. All right. So once it, you know the emotions are running high, things settle down. You look at the, you look at your, ER surgeon, and he says, however, you know I have a good friend and a and a business partner that can go ahead and handle the cremation for you, and you can come back next week and pick up your husband's cremains. And in fact, if you don't even want that, we can just go ahead and take care of that for you. That would never happen on the human side. Not in a million right. not in a million years. Right. That has happened as long as I have been alive on the pet side. And it's not because the vets were doing a bad thing. It's because people didn't know what to do and they provided a solution. They made the remains of a pet go away. Well, and aren't the choices pretty limited for who the veterinarians have the option of dealing with anyway? Mm, not so much. Not so much. Um, what okay, I so found, that's changing. Yep. What I found, and it's still, you know, again, the landfill was there. There were and are, um, oh, it, it'd be like livestock 
you know, there's always been a place when livestock has died for people to take their pets, or they would have, I guess you would call it an incinerator, where all the animals and many animals could go, and it's much larger than um, a cremator or a cremating machine. So those options have been there, but if, if you didn't know where to seek them out, you just didn't. And some vet clinics even had their own retort or cremator. So, okay, fine, but they didn't handle it in the same um, fashion or memory picture as you do on the human side. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, and, and you know what, I there was a time where I let my vet handle it. And then the more I got into it and the older I got, I realized that's what I didn't want. So back to circling back, all right, that was that was the one fundamental issue I had, okay, that they took care of everything. I thought that was a conflict of interest. The second portion I, I find problematic is that whoever they were using as a provider, who their cremation person was, they were profiting off of. Oh, okay, so they were, they were getting paid a portion of the, the cost. Or they would upcharge, or there would be a kickback. And and I fundamentally have an issue with that. And the reason I say that is, you know, I am not an expert in veterinary medicine, but I certainly refer a lot of people to good vets. And I do not expect a kickback. I expect that pet to be well taken care of, that family to be happy, and remember that when that pet's end of life happens, that I was a resource for them. And then hopefully they're going to come back to me. Okay. Well, that is, the, that is the way it should work in business. So before we go on, though, I want to ask our callers that if they have questions, they can always call into the show at 718-766-4996, or they can post to our Facebook page at All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I want to remind people that we're talking with Jody Clock from the Clock Funeral Home. Jody, before we go to break, just say, um, well, I'll, I'll bring you back on this when we come back from break, but we're talking about the pet loss business, the pet funeral business, all of the things that you can do as a pet parent to memorialize your pet at the end of the pet's lifetime. So we'll be right back, and we'll continue our conversation with Jody Clock. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with estate planning attorney and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt, airing every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on natureschannel.fm. Find archives and more at LegacyForYourPet.com. Serendipity every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on naturescanal.fm. Want to know what the latest garden trends are? Learn about homesteading techniques and get helpful tips that will help your garden grow? Join Shelly Levis as she explores eco-friendly gardening methods and fun do-it-yourself projects that will have you thinking outside the pot. So in Dippity, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on natureschannel.fm. Steal Back Your Health with Dr. Erica Steele airs live every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on natureschannel.fm. The four physicians are time, nature, and patience, but most importantly, education. Join Dr. Steele and empower you and your family to live naturally, reclaim your personal health power, and feel great. 
tune in to Steal Back Your Health on natureschannel.fm. Nature Speaks airs every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Nature is our greatest teacher and our greatest gift. If we listen, nature will teach us and guide us. Nature will show us how to live with grace and ease and in alignment with all that is right. Visit LetNatureBeYourGuide.com for archives, daily messages from nature, information on nature's sanctuary Sunday services, and more. Let nature be your guide. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with estate planning attorney and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt, airing every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on naturescanal.fm. Find archives and more at LegacyForYourPet.com. Welcome back. I'm Peggy Hoyt, your host of All My Children Wear Fur Coats. We're talking today with Jody Clock from Clock Funeral Home. And Jody is sharing with us information related to pet funerals and um, basically everything that we wanted to know about the loss of our pet and actually using a funeral home as opposed to just having our vet take care of the remains of a deceased pet. And Jody was sharing with us before the break about some of the challenges that she's um, experienced in the uh, pet funeral industry. And um, Jody, can you continue with um, a conversation related to some of those challenges that you've experienced? I certainly will. Uh, just to briefly uh, cover what, what we just shared a minute or two ago, we talked about um, a conflict of interest. We also talked about uh, them adding on or profiting or having a kickback. The third thing, and this is probably one of the most important things that people don't think about, but it is very, very real, is that those veterinary professionals are so well-versed in just numerous things, but they are not well-versed in grief, and they, they are not equipped to handle pet grief. Not only pet grief on the human side, but pet grief on the pet side, because other pets who were in that house, who were friends with a pet did, that died, or let's just say a horse that was in this table, those animals grieve, and it is real. So that's something they're not equipped to handle with and to deal with. And that is something that, as funeral professionals or experts, that's very normal to us, and many of us are very well-versed on that. So once again, I always use the term, it's not a shortcut. You know, grief and pet theniology, uh, there's a that's a growing field, and so there's a lot of us who went and became certified into that, and so that is one more thing that we can work closely with um, those families who lose the pet. And what's interesting about that whole dynamic is those people they feel silly and they feel ashamed that they're so upset because this pet is no longer in their life, and they feel embarrassed to talk about it. Okay, but now we're starting a conversation, and they feel good, and they feel validated. And, it's, you know, it's like anything else. We don't know what we don't know. And if you put it out there and you start that conversation, the dialogue will happen. That is so true, Jody. And I know that I'm learning a lot about the what, what you refer to in your industry as the aftercare industry. And that's the aftercare of the people... Um, who have lost uh, a human loved one or who in your world now have lost a pet 
and all of the aspects of how do we deal with that grief process, which, of course, we know is unique for every single person. But I think you bring up a good point, too, which is the point about the other pets in the family having a grieving process as well. And um, it's not just the humans who have lost a loved one, but they've lost a, a friend, a playmate, um, maybe somebody that they snuggled up to every night to sleep with or somebody that they played with and um, certainly enjoyed, you know, a family relationship with. So um, tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, Jody. I know that you lost a beloved dog recently. Tell us a little bit about your dog and then the service that you had for him. Oh, I would love to share that. Um, that's very that's, that's personal and heartwarming. So let's circle back. We have a human funeral home and a pet loss memorial center. And for the last what, uh, 15 years, our funeral home has had a therapy dog. And there's maybe 20% of funeral homes across America um, that do have certified therapy dogs that provide comfort within the funeral home. And, you know, he's just a regular employee at our place. And uh, except for he's paid in biscuits and uh, doesn't get that paycheck at the end of the week. Well, Ernie was our Sheltie. And Ernie, uh, out of left field, one day we were driving down the street and something just didn't feel right. We were getting ready for vacation. I took him to the groomer. He was kind of drooling. We discussed why he was drooling. And within three or four days, a huge mass showed up the size of a tennis ball uh, on his his lymph nodes back. If you can think of a pet or a human, when you open up your mouth, your uvula back there, that little thing that dangles at the back of your throat. That's where everything was taking place, and um, it was a rare form of leukemia, and within seven days, he died, and in fact, oh my he, gosh. Arrested, he arrested in the car while I was driving, because uh, he liked to go on car rides, and so I immediately turned the car around, and, you know, thank God for OnStar, called my vet. And, you know, raced immediately there. And, you know, my vet, I'm going to give a shout-out, Dr. Peter Jackson from Lifetime Veterinary Care in Nunica, Michigan. He's an awesome man. He gets all angles of this, and he did the kindest euthanasia on an emergency basis that's out there. And that was just terrible. And I just thought, you know, I need to, as I'm doing this, I have to walk my talk. And so my... My lead pet director, Diane Ross Schindelbeck, um, she met me there. I called her because I just didn't want to be alone. And she took out her cell phone and she took photos of us coming in and, and just the whole process. And they're tough photos to watch. They are on um, my Facebook page. And they actually showed after the euthanasia was over, you know, I was there with my pet. So we bring, his name was Ernie. We bring Ernie back home, right? So I'm a foster failure. So I have a whole herd of animals. I have, you know, three cats and two other dogs. So that's that's my pet dynamic in the house. So I brought Ernie home. I put him in a basket, and I put him down on our dining room floor and just stepped away. And all of the pets 
came around, and they sniffed and they smelled. Some of them, well, my cat even jumped up in, and we call them min-min, where they kind of, you know, dig in back and forth. And they they figured out that Ernie has died. And that's the right thing to do. You need to let mm-hmm. those pets know. Otherwise, they think that pet took a car ride and never came back. Right. And that's, that's upsetting to them. So when well, because they could maybe done, be afraid that that could happen to them too. Is that right? Well, true. And let's just do that on the human side. Look at all the heartwarming stories we see that are just, oh, they're, they break your heart where someone goes off to the military and the pet waits and he waits and he waits. And then when, you know, their human comes back, they're ecstatic. They didn't understand what was happening. So right. it's, it's the same type of thing. So anyhow, um, I waited. My husband was out of town when this happened, and so I kept Ernie. And in our world, just like the humans, we have pet cold storage. So we preserved Ernie in cold storage. Um, When my husband Dale came back, we both placed him in our pet retort, and Ernie was cremated. However... Ernie also was a community dog. And so is it a little over the top to have a funeral for a pet? Maybe. Most pets' lives encompass their their family and maybe their next-door neighbors and maybe dogs at the dog park or, or whatever. So, you know, families will honor their pets, whether that's through creating a memorial table, whether that's through writing little notes, whether that's a little private family scattering or burial or something to that effect. And that's normal. But to have a full-blown funeral, yeah, that's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but that's not the norm. Right, but it's becoming more popular, I think, based on some of the good work that you folks are doing. It is. It is. And and we've had several of those for the canine pets that were down and um, just some other, I would say, high-profile pets. But circling back, it's like I, I had to walk my talk. So our staff um, and I, in our human funeral home, we have a separate facility for our pet loss center, which is called Timeless Pets. But in our human funeral home, um, we have a chapel. So we put it out on Facebook and in social media that um, Ernie had died and that we would be honoring his life. And we put the date out there. Well, I just kind of thought it would be, okay, myself, some of our staff, and a couple close friends. We had over 30 people with probably 30-plus leashed pets that came into the facility, whether they were other community dogs, um, friends of mine who brought their dogs, or just other pet professionals in the community who believe in this. And we did it a memorial, and i got to tell you, it was it was just incredible to see the outpour of support. And I figured out um, Ernie had touched and personally touched over 2,200 families in his eight and a half short years to our funeral home. That's how Wow, 2,200 families. That's amazing. Yep, and some of those families came. So, you know, I guess that I... I I guess that proves my point right there, that this is real and that it is time in society that people accept this. And this is becoming 
not yet the norm, but it is not the unnorm. You know, it's not atypical. Right, it's becoming more popular. Well, and and certainly Ernie was well-loved by not only you as his family, but um, by the people that he served. And um, when we come back from the break in a little bit, I want you to talk a little bit more about what kind of training Ernie had in order to be that type of a therapy dog. Um, But Jody's talking to us about the loss of her beloved dog, Ernie, and the fact that they had Ernie cremated. Um, I think a question that might come up for families is, um, can pet parents ever witness their pet's cremation if they wanted to do that, Jody? Like you and Dale did for Ernie? Absolutely. And when we come back, um, I'll share a little bit about that. Is that the timeline here? Are you ready to break? Um, In a few moments, we will. We want to remind people that they're listening to Jody Clock from Clock Funeral Home and that they can call in with questions at 718-766-4996 or post a question to our Facebook page at All My Children Wear Fur Coats. Um, We're talking about all of the various aspects today of losing a pet and then having that pet um, either cremated or buried, but what are the ramifications um, for maybe even having a full-blown funeral for our pet at um, a place like Timeless Pets at a pet memorial center um, that are now becoming more and more common within the funeral industry. Um, This is a great topic and and one that people probably don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about because none of us want to think about losing our pets but the reality is that most of the time we will outlive our pets. So great topic, and we'll be back in a few moments. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with estate planning attorney and animal advocate Peggy Hoyt, airing every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on natureschannel.fm. Find archives and more at LegacyForYourPet.com. Serendipity every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Nature'sChannel.fm. Want to know what the latest garden trends are? Learn about homesteading techniques and get helpful tips that will help your garden grow? Join Shelly Levis as she explores eco-friendly gardening methods and fun do-it-yourself projects that will have you thinking outside the pot. Serendipity Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Nature'sChannel.fm. Steal Back Your Health with Dr. Erica Steele airs live every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on natureschannel.fm. The four physicians are time, nature, and patience, but most importantly, education. Join Dr. Steele and empower you and your family to live naturally, reclaim your personal health power, and feel great. Tune in to Steal Back Your Health on natureschannel.fm. Nature Speaks airs every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Nature is our greatest teacher and our greatest gift. If we listen, nature will teach us and guide us. Nature will show us how to live with grace and ease and in alignment with all that is right. Visit LetNatureBeYourGuide.com for archives, daily messages from nature, information on nature's sanctuary Sunday services, and more. Let nature be your guide. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats, with estate planning attorney and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt, airing every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on natureschannel.fm. 
Find archives and more at LegacyForYourPet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Nature'sChannel.fm. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. We have with us today a special guest, Jody Clock from the Clock Funeral Home and Timeless Pets, and she's been sharing with us ideas and thoughts related to um, the cremation of your pet or the loss of your pet and then having a memorial service. So we got, we had a question before the break about whether or not a pet parent could actually witness the cremation of their pet if that was something they wanted to do. And, Jody, you were just starting to tell us a little bit about that. I love that question, Peggy. And I wish more people uh, would, would even inquire. We offer it. Whether And I, I'm going to go broad. Whether it is a human, a loved one being cremated, or it is a pet, you have that right to do a couple of things, to go inspect the crematory to see where that's going to happen because any business should be totally transparent. And there's all kinds of horror stories that end up on Dateline or in the news that ruin it for a few of us out there. So absolutely, um, you can ask your pet loss provider. I know what we do is even with the vet clinics that we work with, we put it right out there when we go and we partner with the vet clinics. We invite all of them to come. We actually will show them how everything works. And if they even want to witness uh, one of their um, clients, pets being witness, um, cremated, we encourage that because what that does is that reduces their risk for a lawsuit. Because then sure, because they yeah, they're, they're, yep. they're better informed then, sure. Yeah, because you don't want you don't want to put yourself so many vet clinics before. Let's just circle back when we were saying that pets were going to the landfill or they were working with a provider that wasn't doing a private only or a full disclosure saying that it was communal. Mm-hmm. And everything is about full disclosure. I'm not here to judge if it's private or if it's communal. I'm here to make sure that the pet parent knows what they're getting. And so that's unnecessary risk for a lawsuit. I mean, there are, if people thought that their pet was being cremated and then years later found out it was in a landfill, they could come back and they could sue uh, that that vet clinic, and he could go out of business. And, in fact, the association uh, that I'm very proud to be involved in called the Professional Pet Loss Alliance, which is now five years, well, in its sixth year, we encourage vets, and we work with the different veterinary associations to, number one, go do a spot check at the crematory. Go see what's happening. Um, So you can look your pet parent in the eye and you can, you know, with full confidence, know that something is not going to go wrong and you're you're not putting your business at unnecessary risk. And the reason I say that is we actually did a mock trial. And the mock trial that we did was done off of a real case. And we went out and we hired uh, people off of Craigslist, so there were there were no, you know, there were just strangers involved, but nobody had a bias. And right. we sat down and we presented. I mean, we had from the judge to the uh, people in the in the story problem. What had happened was is there was a person who was, had a therapy dog, and long story short, she didn't get her therapy dog's remains back. They were someone else's. So we went through this whole mock trial. The jury left, 
and they came back. And the jury held the um, crematory responsible for it. So I'm curious, though, how did she know that she didn't get the correct cremains back? It had everything to do with uh, the amount of cremains that came back, the tagging that was on the urn, all kinds of things. So it, it wasn't hers. Right. It was clearly. And what had happened is when things things came awry, when we went back to the jury and we explained that, okay, so now you're mad at the crematory. All right, now let me tell you, did you know that your vet clinic profited off of this, off of the cremation? Did you know that your vet clinic has never gone out to see what happens? And did you know that there is not even a contract involved? And there's some, you know, the chain of custody like anything else. You've got to protect the family. You've got to protect the vet. And then the crematory has to protect themselves. And like anything else, it doesn't have to be, you know, 15 pages. It just has to hold everyone accountable of who's going to do what. But once the, right. jury, the jury had those facts, um, that would have been a million-dollar lawsuit that would have gone against the vet clinic, and he would have been out of business because they don't have insurance for things like that. Right. Well, most of us, in, we probably, as as a general rule, wouldn't even think about that. Um, so, yeah, that's very interesting that you that you took the time and the energy to even conduct a mock trial to to see how that uh, result would come out. So, on a on a, we'll switch gears a little bit here and and circle back to uh, Ernie for a minute. Can you um, tell our listeners a little bit more about how Ernie got his therapy dog training um, so that he could provide comfort to people at your funeral home? I certainly will. And I'm going to share with you, I've done this twice, and the component that I didn't share earlier was Ernie was our second therapy dog that we had. Max was our first therapy dog that we brought to the funeral home. And actually, Max was the pet that forced me to get into the pet loss business. It was his death that had me seek out the options. So there's a whole lot of legacy on both ends of it. So there's all kinds of places you can go, but I chose Therapy Dogs International. Sometimes it's referred to as TDI. Mm -hmm. And it's just a wonderful organization. And the interesting component for me was typically what, therapy dogs will do, you'll see them going to hospitals, you'll see them going to assisted livings or nursing homes. Sometimes you'll even just see them going to uh, libraries, which, you know, you can read to the dogs to help children, those types of things. Ernie was one of the front runners, at least in western Michigan, not Ernie, Max was one of the, the front runners in western Michigan to become a therapy dog in a funeral home. That was kind of unheard of on this side of our state. And so PDI and the trainer, Chris Larson at that, Christine Larson at that time, changed it up. And the hours that Ernie had to put in, she would come to the funeral home and she would watch the dynamics. I mean, we had to learn all kinds of different commands and, and Max had to learn, you know, how to sit and stay there for the longest time um, until we gave him a, a command to come to us. Because there are there are some people that are not pet friendly. There are some families that don't right. even want pets around. So you can't you know you can't push it on them. So that dog has to be you know well trained. So 
Max did his hours in the funeral home, and then once in a while we took him on a field trip out to, actually, actually it was a hospice house, and then an assisted living. And he went through the paces there just to see if he behaved the same. And so that was a, it was probably a six-month process. And when Max was trained, Max was seven years old, so he came into the game a lot later than lots of other pets who want to do therapy work or their pet parents want them to do that. So as Max was becoming more requested, we thought that since we have more than one location, let's get another therapy dog. And Max was getting, he was getting a little old, so we had gotten Ernie. And Max had kidney failure, and he died really within the first week that Ernie came to us. So that, again, was a sad situation. And in all candor, we had a memorial service very similar to Ernie's, and just about as many people came out. And that was 10 years ago. Okay, wow. So when Ernie came to be, you know, he was just this little little munchkin. He wasn't even 90 days old. So Ernie was a whole other story. He was a late bloomer. Um, we tried and tried to get this little guy certified, and he just failed miserably. He was more interested in, you know, chasing a squirrel or, you know, looking at the FedEx guy who came in. He just, he had ADD, I'm pretty sure. So, now, Ernie was a Sheltie, isn't that correct? They were both Shelties, yes. Okay. And All right. so we finally, when Ernie was almost three, we were, a- we were able to successfully put him through his paces. So he was in training for three years, which is a little long, but um, you can't compare one animal to another because that's just unfair. Any more than you could compare one child to another, I'm sure. Oh, exactly. And so ironically, and you hit on something, selfies are my breed, and we found that that's also a good breed and height and demeanor uh, for in the general public and in a funeral home, not too tall, not too small. And we have a new Sheltie by the name of Sammy. And Sammy is nine months old. And uh, I have a feeling Sammy's not going to be ready for a good two or three years either. Sammy's a, a very late bloomer and just a pistol. So, it sounds um, like they need a little time to uh, to mature. I want to mention, um, before we get too far along here, um, a little bit more about Therapy Dogs International, the organization that uh, Jody mentioned to us. Um, this is a volunteer organization, and um, they are dedicated to regulating, testing, and registering therapy dogs and their volunteer handlers. And really the idea is that people might take them into nursing homes, to hospitals, or anywhere where therapy dogs would be needed, like a funeral home. And I bet a lot of people never even thought about needing dogs in a funeral home. But um, as Jody's telling us about Max and Ernie and now Sammy, um, in order to be a TDI or a Therapy Dogs International dog, they have to be tested, they have to be evaluated, they have to be at least one year of age, and they are required to have a good temperament, um, and pass actually a temperament evaluation. So I think that's really interesting information, and for folks that are interested, they can visit tdi-dog.org. 
on the web and uh, find out more about Therapy Dogs International. We're going to get ready for another break here in a minute, and we're talking with Jody Clock from Clock Funeral Home and Timeless Pets. And, Jody, when we come back, I want you to share with us some information about a book that you wrote um, so that our listeners can get a little more information about you and who you are and the things that you're passionate about. Obviously, like me, you're passionate about pets, and that's why you're here and why we're talking about pets and the loss of our pets. And we'll be back in a few moments. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with estate planning attorney and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt, airing every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on natureschannel.fm. Find archives and more at LegacyForYourPet.com. Serendipity every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Nature'sChannel.fm. Want to know what the latest garden trends are? Learn about homesteading techniques and get helpful tips that will help your garden grow? Join Shelly Levis as she explores eco-friendly gardening methods and fun do-it-yourself projects that will have you thinking outside the pot. Serendipity Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Nature'sChannel.fm. Steal Back Your Health with Dr. Erica Steele airs live every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on natureschannel.fm. The four physicians are time, nature, and patience, but most importantly, education. Join Dr. Steele and empower you and your family to live naturally, reclaim your personal health power, and feel great. Tune in to Steal Back Your Health on natureschannel.fm. Nature Speaks airs every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Nature is our greatest teacher and our greatest gift. If we listen, nature will teach us and guide us. Nature will show us how to live with grace and ease and in alignment with all that is right. Visit LetNatureBeYourGuide.com for archives, daily messages from nature, information on nature's sanctuary Sunday services, and more. Let nature be your guide. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats, with estate planning attorney and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt, airing every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on natureschannel.fm. Find archives and more at legacyforyourpet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on natureschannel.fm. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. We have with us today Jody Clock from Clock Funeral Home and Clock Timeless Pets. And, Jody, um, I am aware that you wrote a book. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that book? Hey, thanks for acknowledging that from one author to another. Yes, my book is called Navigating the Elder Care Journey Without Going Broke, and it is available on Amazon for $14.99, and it's through Windy City Publishers. That is the publishing company, I should say. And... Yes, I'm a crazy pet parent and a huge pet advocate, uh, but my initial strength came for advocating uh, for end-of-life care, whether you're a senior or not. There are just certain things that people in general need to do, of which you see every day, I mean, in your your primary practice of law, estate planning and elder care. And sadly, um, I sit with families every day on a bad day, and they don't have a will, they don't have a trust. And if these families are 
going into some form of hospice care, assisted living, uh, end-of-life care. Many of them, as you know, may have to apply for Medicaid assistance. And they don't understand um, the things that they can do to reallocate their assets so they don't die broke. So that's that's my, my other passion is making sure that people do not receive well-intended misinformation. And, you know, that's applicable whether you're an adult taking care of your parents, whether you're taking care of yourself. And it's just there's so much out there that people think they know, but as you know, there's not one cookie-cutter approach. So that's, There certainly that's is not. And, right, and, and that's true whether we're talking about planning for people, planning for pets, um, there is no one-size-fits-all solution for people, and, and that's why we do these programs and, and try to provide information to folks because if you were to Google um, the words estate planning or funeral home or cremation or any of the things that we've been talking about today, you'd probably get thousands and thousands and thousands of hits, and it becomes really overwhelming to figure out what information is relevant um, to our particular situation. So, Jody, we thank you for having um, an interest not only in the funeral industry for humans and for people, but also on the elder law side for educating families about all of the different things they can do. Um, you may be interested to know, Jody, that we had on the show the other day a professional guardian, and she was talking about all of the challenges involved with um, pets when a person becomes mentally incompetent and has a professional guardian. And it all wow. goes back to that whole idea of um, pets as property, unfortunately. So um, tell us a little bit too, Jody, about um, Clock Timeless Pets. I, I'm on your website at clocktimelesspets.com, and I see that you also have a Facebook page. But tell us a little bit more about what Timeless Pets does. Well, first I have to say Bad haircut on the video with me on the website. We need to up, update that. But there is some good information on that. And Clock Timeless Pets, and whether whether you're in Muskegon, Michigan, or anywhere across the United States, I, I just want to point out on that website, it's some good information that any pet parent can use what to do when their pet dies, whether that pet's at home or they have to go to a vet clinic. So there, there's just some really relevant information out there. And circling back to Clock Timeless Pets in general, um, really what what that whole thing is, it's a premise for people to come to us. They can uh, simply do a cremation. They can buy burial products. They can do keepsakes. Uh, there's so many different things that are out there for people to remember their furry friends or their feathered friends. And uh, we just try to guide them through that. Well, that is awesome, really, awesome that you do that. Thank you. I want to I want to touch on something if I have a minute. You struck it, and it was with the guardians. And really, the front line out there are the guardians and the hospice workers. And whether they're human or pet, those those people know that when a person comes to their end of life, that that pet's life doesn't have to end. And so, Clock Timeless Pets has really jumped on board with the different area hospices in our community. And so when those um, people know that there's not a family member to take care of that pet, it's 
we're working with a no-kill shelter, and we've also we're in the process of starting a forever trust instead of forever it's fur. So that pet can be rehomed, and much like you do in your practice, and you know the whole premise of your your book, all my children wear fur coats. So there's money's allocated, and then checks and balances in place so that pet can live out their life comfortably. Well, so, Jody, thank you com- so much for doing that, and um, thank you for sharing with us today. We've really enjoyed having you on the show as a guest and um, talking to you about planning for pets and clocktimelesspets.com. And it's just our pleasure to bring to our listeners all of the information that we can on the various aspects of planning for pets. You can find us on social media, at fa- on Facebook, at All My Children Wear Fur Coats, on Twitter, at Kids in Fur Coats. Um, you can look for us on YouTube and on Instagram as well as on Pinterest. And I know that Jody has um, her site on web, uh, her website at clocktimelesspets.com as well as on Facebook. You can find her there. Every week we're talking about the various aspects of planning for our pets and just life with pets in general. Monday, the first Monday of every month is going to be our Memorial Monday, and you can send us information about the pets that you want to remember, and we'll be happy to remember your beloved pet on the air um, as we discuss the various aspects of our children who wear fur coats. Each week, it is our privilege to be here with you and to share. We want to know what you want to hear about, so Post your suggestions on Facebook. We'll be more than happy to address them. And we look forward to sharing with you each and every week. And we'll see you next week. Happy tales. Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats here on natureschannel.fm. All My Children Wear Fur Coats explores options and alternatives for creating a lasting legacy for your pets. Visit LegacyForYourPet.com to join our email list for updates on shows, links to archives, information on complimentary pet planning workshops, and more. Be sure to tune in every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Happy tales! See you next week.